Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Rounds Podcast, the only podcast for the with the cardio for those deep water championship yeah. rounds. No, I am not doing this again. I'm, that is the third time I've tried this. It's quarter past six in the morning. We've literally just finished watching Thursday morning UFC pay per view on um, on Fat Island. So, yeah, I'm not starting again. I am just not in the mood for that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah so this is uh, the bumper episode, or the first part of the bumper episode that we we uh, promised, where we're going to cover basically both events from this weekend over over on um, Fat Island. So we've got first Fat Night 172. Uh, very quickly run through these prelims. We started with uh, the Bantamweights, Jack Shaw, uh, picking up the second round sub against Aaron Phillips. Um, Liana Jojoa uh, picking up the first round sub against Diana Belbita in the women's flyweight. Then uh, the televised uh, uh, fights, we started with uh, Jared Gordon picking up the decision against Chris Fishgold. We got uh, Medeskas Bukaskas. Getting the first round uh, knockout, it shouldn't really have been a knockout against Andreas uh, Michalalis. Uh, I think that was a he, he should have been disqualified for for those uh, for those shots. Uh, but I'm not a, I'm not a ref and I'm not a judge. Then we got uh, Manchester's own Leroy Murphy picking up the first round knockout against Ricardo Ramos, and then uh, the last and the feature prelims showed uh, another. Dagestani, um, just outstanding wrestler in Kazmak uh, Chimiev, picking up the the second round so against John Phillips. 
Uh, going into this uh, main card, we had five fights. Started with Abdul Razak Al Hassan against Munir Lazez. Um, just for just for everyone's sake, we were, um, every single fight on this main card went to decision. So for us uh, saying that we'd try and run through it very quickly, uh, UFC and the fighters told us basically hold our hold my beer. Uh, but we're going to do as best to go through them quickly uh, because obviously no one wants to listen to a, 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 a podcast that is that is as long as the UFC event itself. Uh, but going into this first fight, Abdul Razak Hassan, great first round. I thought he did really well. His power, um, just it, it looked... How Lazez got out of that first round is, is unreal. He was just getting wobbled on multiple occasions and was able to um, to recover. But then going into the second and third, he he did so well in kind of changing his game up. Uh, referred, uh, re- went to uh, the leg kicks, kept uh, Al Hassan at bay, and uh, he started using uh, the ground game, and it, it worked. Um, a great victory for 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 Lazez, uh, a, and a great kind of way for if you're a young and up and coming fighter, I've I've seen how having one game plan doesn't work always. You've got to have basically a, a plan A, plan B, plan C for all these kinds of situations where Al Hassan he only had one plan and it was to to get the knockout. And when that didn't come, he had no answer to to the kind of change of game that Lazez had. Um, so yeah, um, Lazez picking up the the unanimous decision and quite fairly, I would have thought. Uh, definitely. Um, in them sort of fights, he, I, I wouldn't say he had the the perfect game plan, but in them sort of fights, especially against a guy who's a heavy hitter and who basically comes out swinging at you, sometimes you in the first round you've got to like just basically like. Uh, overcome the storm, mm-hmm. take the punches. Hopefully, they, they they slow down a bit and gas out, and that's what uh, uh, Abdul did after the first round. Yeah. He, he basically got punch drunk, uh, trying to knock him out, trying to go for the finish, couldn't get it. And um, Lazes, um, I'm saying his name now. Lazes. Lazes were able to capitalise on it and uh, take it uh, to the distance, but get the decision. For, uh, um, Pick up the decision win uh, on a on a good performance against someone who potentially could have knocked him clean out. Yeah, it, it just it, for me it just exposes the weakness in Al Hassan's game. Um, now I'm not not to take away from me. He's got a great record, ten and two, I think. Uh, but yeah, you can tell he's kind of coasted on that knockout power, and when it came to uh, changing it up and going. Uh, to ground, he just didn't have the skills to 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 match uh, Lazes, and Lazes uh, picks up a great victory in his debut for the UFC. So props to him. Uh, then going into uh, the second fight, Molly McCann versus uh, Tyler Santos, and this was probably the most one-sided fight on the card. Um, I, I can't see how anyone gave a single round to to McCann. Uh, we started off. McCann obviously is a very active, very excited, energetic fighter, but it was just the the difference was the body sizes for me. It's just she had no way of getting into uh, Santos's um, um, pocket. The the arms, the legs, the legs on Santos were so 
so much bigger than Molly McCann and when she was kicking her knee you could see it was, it was putting it out of place there was an issue where the referee called um, Santos uh, for, for pulling the air which looking back on the re- replay was absolutely disgusting and, and how she got away with not getting points at least deducted on that was, was di- disgusting but in terms of the in-ring um, action Santos was just a level above uh, McCann better on the ground the takedowns and uh, the way she controlled on the ground the the, the shots uh, on the feet it was just a solid performance by uh, Santos and I think McCann was just clearly outclassed definitely I fucking hated this this fight obviously I, I love fucking Moller um, and watching it basically get like a, a free rounded like beat down mm-hmm. uh, were a bit devastating but like you say uh, she was just she was just outmatched uh and I don't like. I don't even think she was just. It was like the skill set that were outmatching. It was just more of the the size advantage um, over what Santos had over it. And not only that, um, I think it was the the skill set that Santos showed that not only she were able to capitalise when she was on the feet and in the clinch, she was also able to use her long limbs and long arms to keep her on the mat uh, with very good top pressure. Now, obviously, we didn't see a lot of submissions because. She's very much like a, a, a Muay Thai fighter, um, but she's got she's shown that she uh, she has got good top pressure. Um, but yeah, she picks up the uh, another decision victory on this card, um, and she's only very young, so and she didn't look. Bar from obviously the, the incident with the air pulling, she didn't look too bad. She she looked like a game fighter, and mm-hmm. so she looked like a, a younger version of Duran Duran to yeah, uh, I I agree, and uh, to to come back from the the, the loss in a in a first fight to to picking up like, such a, a decisive victory against I mean Molly McCann's obviously we we have a kind of a a lot of love for Molly McCann she's she's one of our own but yeah she was totally dominated in this fight and it'll be interesting to see where uh, where Santos goes in that in that flyweight division. Oh yeah, definitely. But also as well with uh, for Molly McCann, she'll she'll make no excuses for this no, loss tonight. No. She's she's a fighter like in and out. Uh, I mean, she'll come back from this. She's thirty year old. She's got loads of fight left in her. Scousers. If you don't know who Scousers, then you you ain't got a clue what they're like for fight. <laughs> So then going into the, the next fight, um, again, another unanimous uh, decision with um, Jimmy Rivera picking up the victory against Cody Stammen. Uh, Cody, if you remember, not long ago, only just fought. He uh, fought on, I think it was the 6th of June, um, just after his uh, brother had passed away. And it, it kind of gives off the, the feeling that he's, he's fighting to keep busy and keep his mind uh, from... from from maybe having to grieve for his brother, which is uh, how he deals. If it, if it's working for him, it's working for him. More props to him. I would hate to be in that kind of position that he's in. Uh, but um, I think Rivera outclassed him uh, again, uh, much like we said with uh, with uh, Tyler Santos against Molly McCann, uh, kind of being a, a, a very much a, a, an outclassing. It's the same in this fight. Um, when Stammen did get get uh, some shots in, he he did look like he, he hurt Rivera. Rivera ended up with a couple of uh, welts on on his face, and St- St- Stammen obviously has the 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 great um, 
wrestling and the great like kind of jujitsu, but we just didn't see enough of it. And when he did get the opportunity to to take Rivera down, he didn't do anything with it, and and he he was uh, kind of like stood up with with the the referee that was in the first fight. I think it was uh, Dan uh, Mojaveda. He he was taking no shit from any any kind of wrestle fucking today. He stood up uh, Lazes and, and Al Hassan in the first fight, and he did exactly the same in this fight. And to be fair, he took a lot of stick for it, but I, I think he was it was right. The stamina wasn't doing anything on the ground, uh, but when it when it was on the feet, it was all Rivera. Rivera's shots were just brutal. This guy he always looks hungry, and we commented during the fight how he. Carlos uh, jokingly said he looks homeless, and and for me, it, it's it's because he looks he, he looks hungry. He looks like he always wants to come out to win. He wants to like um, push for 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 a, a title shot in that featherweight division. And, you know, after this fight and after the way he kind of dominated uh, Stammen and uh, was able to avoid the the takedowns going into into the second and third round. I, I can make a case for him being being up there uh, along alongside um, the top contenders in that division. Definitely, uh, obviously, with someone like you said, I think he's, he's fighting to keep to keep his mind active. Which fair enough, if it works for him, it works for him. But going on to Jimmy Rivera, it's good for him to pick up a win since two thousand and eighteen and get back in that win column. Um, in last year, he, he fought twice and lost to the now-crowned champ, bantamweight champion, Petr mm-hmm. Jan, and he also lost to Aljamain Sterling just before that fight. Now, just because he lost to these people, doesn't uh, these two top, uh, top contenders, doesn't mean he lost in like spectacular fashion. He took them both to decision, yeah. and they were competitive fights. Uh, and this is a Petr Jan who's destroyed... Jose Aldo over the last weekend. Exactly. So a lot of people can a lot of people can say like, oh, he doesn't deserve to be up there because these people have already beat him. Yeah, but he took him to decision. Whereas if you've seen Petty Yan in his some of his other last performances, he's put his opponents away. Mm-hmm. Same with Aljamain Sterling, put his opponents away, or at least finished him with submission. None of these could do that with, uh, with Jimmy Rivera. He um, they all had to go to the judges to get the win. Um, so yeah, it's a good thing for him to to pick up the to get back in the win column, especially like like not picking up a win since 2018, and obviously with everything going on within the world and hard time to pick up a win. Um, hopefully, uh, he sees it out in that featherweight division because with everything going on in it, what's what's not what could happen? Yeah, and and you you talk about uh, Petter Jan and and Aljamain Sterling, and I think with him moving up to to featherweight out of that bantamweight division I think there's more there's opportunity for more growth for, for Jimmy Rivera even though he's quite a small person in terms of heart he's a stocky uh, muscly guy so yeah we'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see where, where he can uh, can go in that featherweight division um, I'd, I'd like to see him maybe go up against I mean Rivera versus Max Holloway sounds like a nice fight to me See that that's the one thing about the feather. Like I said, I liked him in in, in featherweight. It's just I, I don't know. He's when I come to think about him fighting people like Max and Alex, I just think yeah, he. I know he's a big guy as it is, but is he like the muscle mass on his body? Is it? Could he could he basically last five rounds with Max Holloway without basically getting beat up? Could he last a couple of rounds with? 
uh, Alex about basically getting his legs kicked off. Yeah. Um, whereas in if if he were to like, obviously it's a lot easier. He's built the muscle up now, so if he were to cut the the fat that he's got, he'll go down. He'll have a bit more power. Um, so if he were to go up against obviously the lighter guys, he's got them advantages that you do cut him weight anyway. But obviously that's what some a lot of people go up weight to to get more power and and um, and basically get more a better chance at uh, getting a belt at the career. Um, but either way, whatever path he goes down, just as long as he stays on what he's doing, he should he should do all right. Yeah, uh, going into the core main event now and. This was a was a great fight, probably my fight of the night. To be fair, um, Tim Elliott picking up the the unanimous decision over um, Ryan Benoit, uh, 28, uh, 29s across the board. Before I even getting to the fight, though, um, obviously UFC have, have had have had this new kind of. Um, uh, fascination of putting up people's tweets whilst on on the screen, and the amount of people who had Benoit up two rounds to yeah. zero, uh, it was um, it was mental, absolutely mental. Uh, first round, I thought that uh, it was all Tim Elliott. It was uh, Tim Elliott controlling the centre of the octagon, using he's always been kind of like that um, unorthodox kind of fighter. You just can't can't you can't pin him down. It looks like he's going to smack you with his with his left left hand. He hits you with his right foot. It's just a mental way of, of how he he kind of it um, kind of works as a fighter. And I, I felt that that he had the 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 better shots. He was able to avoid those uh, those big overhand rights from um, from uh, Benoit. I felt that. It, it 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 just I don't understand how someone gave that that first round to Benoit. I think Elliot just had such uh, such a better strike striking. He had uh, better control on on in in terms of the takedown. I know he, he got stuffed a, a stuffed a lot, but he still was attempting those takedowns. And yeah, it was it was just a weird first round. Second round, I felt Benoit came into his own a little bit more. He uh, he was a lot more aggressive. You could see that the the his shots were landing landing more, but then he was also still getting hit. Um, so that was still a, a very tight round. You could potentially say that maybe it's it was two rounds to nil to to Elliot, but certainly not two rounds to nil to Benoit. That's some madness judging. Third round, I would have definitely gave that Benoit. I think Benoit knew he'd come out. Uh, the issue in the third round was um, Elliot was uh, distracted by uh, at, at least a, a dislocated finger. He kept like trying to put it back in position, and and Benoit. He should have he should have capitalised on that a lot more, but um, but he didn't. But he still ended up winning that round because he he got off the more shots and he got off uh, the 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 better action. Great, it were a great fight to watch. Um, yeah, just good win for Tim Elliott um, against a, a a good contender in in uh, Ryan Benoit. Yeah, definitely. Um, but again, Tim Elliott is another one. Uh, he hasn't he hasn't far from this. Uh, he hasn't won a fight since 2017, so it's good for him to to pick up uh, a, a win after coming off, I think, it was at least three or four losses in a row. So mm. he potentially needed to win this fight. And we know what, what it's like in the, in the UFC if you pick up that many losses and you're not very much a big-name fighter as it is, 
you're more than likely going to end up finding yourself on that cut list at some point down the line. Yeah, um, and, and the likelihood is it's COVID that saved him. Definitely. Because they've, they've needed him to, to be available. Definitely. Uh, but the one thing about the, the... Obviously, the interesting part about this fight, bar from it being just a straight-out dog fight, uh, the commentators were saying about one of these two fighters... Uh, with how it goes, they basically could be looking at like titles and stuff like that, and it's like I wouldn't jump the gun too fast. <laughs> uh, obviously, like I say, he um, Tim won the fight, so obviously he gets the he obviously he gets the one who gets bumped up. But again, the guy hasn't won a fight since 2017, and this is his first fight, and it's not like it's a against someone who's spectacular. His record's ten and seven now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not taking nothing away from him. Ryan's a, a, a quality dude. He's, he's a good fighter, but the ones who are fighting for the title next week, Formiga and um, Benavides, I don't think you beat them fighting like that. No, definitely not. Uh, so then let's go into this main event, and again, this was another um, unanimous decision, and again, it was quite a one sided fight. Which is a shot, really, because Dan Aggie has been on a tear recently. Uh, but there is there is levels to this game, and Calvin Qatar just outclassed him for the majority of this fight. The first round, uh, it were, it was all Qatar Qatar controlling the the octagon. Um, he, when Aggie lands shots, he hurts people. It's as simple as that. Uh, but Qatar was able to use his body length. Uh, to to keep Iggy Bay because he's he's a very short for that for that division, uh, and as, when Qatar was landing, you could see straight away the 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 welts coming up on 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 um, Iggy's face. By the end of the fight, he kind of looked a little bit like the Elephant Man with all the the kind of uh, hematomas, especially over his right eye, which was literally just claws fully. Uh, the second round, I felt he, he did do really, really well. He, that's the round where he broke Qatar's nose, uh, which was uh, very, very... Like, it was distracting more than anything for Qatar, and that kind of fed through into the third round, but still Qatar was able to... To, to beat Egan in terms of landing the shots and he was also able it was um, better at doing switch dancing as well and and uh, being able to to throw different combinations going into the fourth and the swelling to Ege, um really it really started to, to make a big difference and he, it, it left Qatar with a massive target for him to, to hit uh, but again, Iggy was still able to land those uh, those hard shots. He, he landed a couple of uh, overhand rats, which were which were vicious. But you could tell it was almost um, Qatar's quality and his, his his cardio more than anything was coming through in that fourth and fifth round. Iggy just lost so much pace and lost so much sting off his shots. But where Qatar's, they felt almost like his shots were getting harder. Uh, whether that's more because Ige was getting tired and he was able to he wasn't able to, to kind of get out of the way. It probably is that to be fair, but uh Qatar you could tell he was built for for five round fights. He he just had the the absolute kind of almost GSP style cardio. Uh going into the fifth round it was it was Ige had to do or die and I just felt that he'd give up. He seemed to have not been bothered. We get to the end of the fight. He, with about twenty seconds to go, he goes for a takedown. It didn't work for him. Uh, if he ends up going to the ground and, and gets uh, ground and pounded, 
luckily the the bell uh, stopped him, but he still still lost a fight and still uh, um, Qatar picks up a, a really good victory. I mean, they had Ige in, in tenth on the rankings and Qatar was in in sixth. So it'll be interesting to see where this this actually takes Qatar uh, in terms of, of ranking. But great fight, uh, great way to end. A, a, a decent card if it weren't for however how long it was uh, but yeah a great victory for, for Qatar oh yeah definitely um, Calvin he's literally bar from Max when he's on his, his best day I, I don't think there's anyone as, as good as, as Calvin at boxing in that in that featherweight division um, and Hager obviously you can't take nothing away from him he, he's a he's a fighter's fighter um, I think he was just he just were wearing it a lot more in the fight, especially especially when um, Calvin were able to like overcome that. Like, the fact is, yeah, he's probably broke my nose. I can't breathe out of it. Fuck it, is what it is. We're mm-hmm. just gonna have to move on, get on with it. And when he like got used to it and started like getting comfortable and letting his boxing like like getting his boxing and getting his combinations off, um, it was definitely working from him. And then obviously, like you say, the swelling under under both uh, Dan's eyes. Um, so we were wearing it a lot more than Kelvin were, um, but then uh, going to the end of the fight, like you were saying, they were definitely both tiring out. Dan more than than, than Calvin, um, like you say, Dan weren't really doing much towards the end of the fight, and then Calvin he was just he was just trying to like throw his combinations both from like trying to set him up or throw things. And Dan, the only times he was throwing shots is when he was trying to throw big shots and knock him out. But um, a quality. Uh, a quality main event overall, you can't take nothing away from the pair of them. Um, but Kelvin going after this, obviously, being sixth in that ranking, I wouldn't mind seeing him up against... And this is if uh, Max doesn't take that uh, rematch, because um, I know one of the reporters asked Dana, because uh, Dana said he he thinks that Max won that fight. Um, so one of the reporters said, he like, obviously, it's a bit... We don't usually see someone who basically loses a belt and then gets beat, basically like get, get a shot like straight after. He said, "But what would you like want to do that?" Dan is basically like a broken like broken like answer. Um, so if Max doesn't want that, I'd like to see like Kelvin uh, face Max because two 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 of the best boxers, if not two of the best boxers in that division. I reckon that would be a good fight. Yeah, I I agree. I think I think I mean I know we're talking about Rivera again, the the Max fight, uh, which it, it it could be a bit of a a stretch, I suppose. But if not Max, maybe what about uh, Korean Zombie for for Qatar? Have them two not? Have them two not fought? Have them two not fought? Either way, but if them two aren't fought, I reckon that'll be a, a quality fight because Korean Zombie, when he comes to fight, he comes to fight. Um, and I reckon that'll be a, just a, a good style of matchups in a way. Um, as long as none of them are injured and, and uh, Korean Zombie can get all the. Well, I know Korean Zombie's after a tart shot. And I can't really blame him. He's been on uh, an absolute tear. But there's also Zabit in <laughs> waiting in the wings with a tight shot. The dude sits and all. I think he he beat Qatar last time. See, I think about the one thing about Zabit, which is I think coming a lot 
which is people understanding about him is yeah he's a flashy fighter and he's a, he's a quality fighter but he's only got the best of three rounds in him so far the last like, the, the only like one or two times he's gone the five rounds he's, he's faded a hell of a lot and yeah. obviously they've been talked about his cardio so him I, I like him as a fighter me uh, so if he if he had his cardio sorted that I'd, I'd, I'd say that would definitely be a good fight but like you say, all, all the farts that, you, that you're saying, uh, Jimmy Rivera, um, your Max Holloway, your Kelvin, um, obviously he's the, the Zabit, all these guys match up so well that when it comes time for Dana and Josh Ellis to get into that room, it's going to be so hard for him to match these guys up who's actually going to make interesting fights rather than who's just going to destroy each other and then you've got two people fighting for the title, but all oh, what? Your four top guys are basically out injured because they've basically been in like an absolute war. So it's it's going to be hard to match you up, but I'm sure they'll get it done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the the end of uh, part one of this uh, this week's UFC review. Uh, normally I do an outro, but uh, just keep uh, keep listening for part two. Adios, amigos. <laughs> I'm definitely going to cut that out. Welcome back to part two of uh, this double bill for for UFC on Fart Island. The technically the third event, but they're still advertising it as the second. Um, let's just quickly go through these prelims. Uh, quite a lot of prelims on on this card. We started with uh, Sergey Spivak picking up the decision against Carlos Felipe in the heavyweights. Then we had Armin uh, Sarukian picking up the decision against Davy Ramos. Uh, first round submission for Amir Albazi against Malcolm Gordon in the bantamweight division, and then uh, the the televised um, fights had uh, Brett Jones picking up the decision against Montel Jackson. We had Joel Alvarez with a first round sub against Joe Duffy. Who, uh, as well, Joe Duffy is not long just retired after this bout. He put a tweet out basically saying, uh, I'm, "Sorry I'm to not his, surprised, uh, yeah, he put a tweet out saying that like, sorry to his friends, his family." Um, his fans for not being able to basically reach the goal, aka the belt. Um, he said he just hasn't got got it in him anymore. But it were a good run for him, and he's not. Like I say he's been a legend yeah. in the sport. So Agreed. top run. Uh, after that, we had a catchweight fight between Grant Dawson and Nad Narimana. Uh, Dawson picking up the the decision, and then the the last um, the last fight, very emotional. Uh, win for Roman Dalid's uh, first round KO of Canis Ibragimov, one of the the Dagestani uh, fighters. Uh, let's get into this main card. Uh, five fights on this main card. Started with uh, Alexandra Pantoja taking on uh, Askar Askarov. Uh, went to a decision, but it was a very very one sided fight for me. Um, it was it was all about Askarov uh, stalking Pantoja basically and uh, and uh, being able to control the octagon. Um, great kicks, great on the on the ground. Both these guys, to be fair, this was a, a clinic of of um, submission and reversal technique. Uh, when when the fight went to the ground, the difference was when it was on the feet. Askarov was the was the better fighter, uh, pretty much. Um, I think Pan, Pantoja tired in the third round. It was getting to a stage where he just didn't even have the 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 energy to keep up the pace with uh, Askarov, and 
Yeah, Askov's done beta run continues and uh, making making waves in the flower division, especially when you, we get to the the result of the the, the main event. Uh, yeah, I can see where this is going. Carlos, what do you think to this part? Uh, I like this part. Um, obviously, the one thing I've got to say about it is I didn't know the death. Yeah, um, no, that, that was, was surprising. Yeah, massive surprise. Definitely. Uh, but as well, um, you can't take nothing away from uh, his, his game plan. Uh, everyone knows his game plan. Coming there and wrestling, does what he does best. Same with most of these uh, Dagestanians and a lot of his teammates, including Khabib, who said basically he's one of the hardest training people in like the, the gym. Um, but... But the one thing that would impress me more about him is how well he were able to still stay calm, even though um, uh, Alex were throwing just submission at submission after him, um, even when he were on his back. But uh, he, Alex just couldn't answer the, um, the Askarov. Uh, <laughs> Alex couldn't even. Uh, Alex didn't have an answer to Askarov as uh, Sambo tonight, and he was a better man. Um, but going on to that, it's. He's looking like a danger for that division. A 12 0 record in a division what's. Of killers. Definitely, what's still stacked. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's only bright things ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, so then after that, we stay in the flyweight division, but we go to the women's flyweight division. Uh, Ariana Lipske taking on uh, Luana Carolina. Carolina coming in with uh, that massive um, Muay Thai pedigree with those, those really, really long legs. And. Uh, yeah, that it was. This again was a a great a great showing of uh, of of takedown submission and reversals. Both of these girls were 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 really trying to to lock in the submission. And whilst me and Carl were talking, obviously a lot of people know I'm a I'm a big wrestling fan. And there's a wrestler called uh, Sonada who does a, a move called the Paradise Lock, where he just ties out a person's. Uh, uh, limbs all together, and then uh, AJ Styles also does a, a, a move called the the calf crusher, which we we saw uh, Carolina try and attempt on uh, on Lipsky, but at the same time she left a, a knee in place, and Lipsky was bending that knee in, in directions uh, that that knee should not go from from someone who's had massive issues with with knee injuries. I felt that on a, on a deep level. Uh, great victory for Lipsky, though, um, against a, a really dangerous opponent and uh, the first first round submission of, of three on this card to go. So, great victory for Lipsky. Yeah, definitely. Um, Carolina surprised me with pulling out that car slice when she did because mm. someone who's, who's known. It was for, deep. It was definitely. Deep. Uh, for someone who was known as a Muay Thai fighter, you don't see a lot of Muay Thai fighters pulling off them sort of submissions. And I know a car slicer, it looked, it looked simple, and it is, but it's not simple to set up, and it's yeah. not easy to get on high-level opponents who and who, keep it. Who, yeah, and who also know what they're doing. Um, but she first felt like she didn't have the the full knowledge of what she was doing because she didn't she didn't try and let go, didn't try and fight. Um, uh, Lipsky to get the when Lipsky had a leg uh, and going in for the the actual knee bar. But what a lot of people uh, uh, I don't think understand about the knee is 
the knee is a lot more sensitive than the elbow. When you see, when we see arm bars in the UFC and we mm-hmm. see people fighting out the arm bars and people's there's arm more give. There's more, especially with the shoulder being like a ball joint. There's a lot more give in the arm. The knee is literally just a, a hinge joint. Well, there's no it. give there. Well, you've got more. It's more flex. You've got more flex in your in your elbow than you have in your knee. So mm-hmm. every so when you're actually getting your elbow cranked. You can actually take more pressure on it. So, but whereas your knee, your knee is so sensitive because you obviously you've got bigger muscles around there, bigger tissues. Obviously, you've got ACL in your knees, and so you've uh, yeah. So that's that's more sensitive. So when you get a little bit of pressure put on that, you feel it straight away. Um, and our coach Alan says it all the time. If you get if you're in a fight and you're you get caught in in the knee bar or stuff like that, don't try and be the bigger fight. Just just Tap. Just tap, he said, because at the end of the day you can come back and fight another day, but... But you can also learn a lesson from it. Exactly, and injuries like that can take a, a, a year to, if not two years, to heal fully and... You, you, sometimes, never at all. Exactly, and obviously with fighters have to have knee replacement surgeries at young age because they've toughed it out and, oh, I'm not going to tap, I can get through this. Um, obviously, sometimes it's inevitable when you've got someone like Lipsky who's, who would just... It was just quality at submissions, and she just ranked on that, uh, yanked on that leg as soon as she could. Uh, but yeah, Lucy's game plan. She were, she impressed me with basically not being showing uh, uh, Carolina that she's not scared of her uh, on the feet. And then when it obviously got to the ground, she capitalised and were able to pick up the the knee bar for the win. Yeah. Um, then after that, we uh, we went into. The lightweight division with uh, one of our local boys, Mark DKZ, taking on Raphael Fiziev, and this was a, a brutal fight for for DKZ. Just for someone whose whose game is uh, very much uh, strat based, he was he was outclassed on the feet. It's just, it's it's hard to look uh, any differently to it. Um, when DKZ did get shots off, he was only landing one at a time. There was no kind of like urgency from him to 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 put a beating on Fiziev. And the 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 big difference was uh was the the liver kicks. You could hear them coming for from a mile away. They absolutely sounded brutal. The sting that that guy gets in them kicks was was horrific, and he was forcing uh, uh, to to abandon his striking game and 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 go for for takedowns. But even when it when it got to the ground, whilst Dikesi was going for for one submission, Fiziev uh, was was going for other submissions. And, and when it gets back to the feet, it's all Fiziev again. And and for me, it was that was the mark of the mark of the fight. Fiziev was just. A much stronger, faster, quicker, harder hitting fighter. Uh, Dickens, he did have, he did have uh, some bright sparks, and I think especially in that third round, he uh, landed a, a couple of jumping knees. Uh, but it just didn't have an answer for the power of uh, Fiziev, and yeah, uh, Fiziev is the kind of fighter that you 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 sit up and and like take notes of because that's a, a statement of a result for him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for me, Mark, he's he's slowly falling off the ladder for me a bit. Um, he's obviously. I don't, but to be fair, I mean, he he, he beat Lando Venata recently, and uh, he did have a, a a state where he was losing a lot in in quick succession. But he did then pick up a couple of wins in a row, so he was kind of like in a bit of a resurgence. But this has put him straight back down. 
Yeah, shit, what am I on about? Yeah, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm forgetting these two fucking last farts. <laughs> God, you dickhead, shut up. Um, but yeah, like you say, it, it does, it, it, put, it shoots him uh, back down the ladder from, obviously, coming back from uh, the losses to getting two wins in a row. Um, but Raphael, just what a clinic of Muay Thai we were able to put on. Um, obviously training out of Tiger Muay Thai and being one of the coaches over there. Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's obviously a big part of his game. And, and he's short. I would mind him training me. And he, the speed he got from them kicks, or not, but not just the speed, the speed and the power. Exactly. and it's, mm. uh, I've, saw, I've noticed a lot of people like... Uh, uh, Brendan, um, Shev, uh, Val- uh, Valentina. There's a lot of professional athletes, a lot of professional um, fighters who have been going over to Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, ta- yeah, Tiger Muay Thai and uh, kickboxing in, in Thailand and stuff like that, just to get like that extensive like training and stuff like that. And it's the videos are so it's honestly one of the best like yeah. Muay Thai camps in, in the world. It just shows the quality that Fizyev has got. The fact that he he's one of the coaches there. He really, he's gone to Thailand and he's the one of the coaches at Tiger Muay Thai, one of the most elite Muay Thai uh, camps in the world. Definitely, and he were able to come and show not only is he elite on the feet, he can also hang he can also hang in there with with his opponents on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, now in that lightweight division, he's only eight and one. Obviously, coming in with two decisions, he'll need to start. Um, obviously, picking up some more finishes because obviously the way the UFC is going is um, picking up a lot of wins by decision doesn't get you a big name. Uh, obviously, it's the more sensible thing to do. Obviously, the winning route, but getting yourself a title shot. Now that's a different actual question. Now, obviously, we've seen um, obviously last week. Uh, a lot of people will call it Usman uh, because he basically chose them, in, in my opinion, the, the more brainy way to win the fight rather than just a slugfest. But a lot of fans want to see the slugfest, so, and especially when you're a fighter like Raphael, um, who's basically, you, you're, not, you're not just a fighter, you're actually a coach and you teach Muay Thai. Um, I think a lot of fans will have the expectation of you to finish a lot more opponents rather than go to the decision, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see where he goes from from there. Um, going into the the, the, the co-main event and these two fights, uh, the, the co-main event and the main, didn't get out of the first round, both ended with first round submissions. Uh, Jack Hermanson taking on Calvin Gastelum. Obviously, we've got a lot of love here in uh, five rounds for Calvin Gastelum, but, wow, he was outclassed today. Um, submitted in just over a minute. Uh, yeah, basically, the the fight was Hermanson went for a takedown. Gaslam kind of reversed it, and, and again in um, in almost um, a, a repeat of, of of the the fight between uh, Lipsky and Carolina. Both were going for a submission moves, but uh, obviously we know Hermanson is a is a beast on the ground. Uh, Gaslam tried to, to separate and tried to get top control uh, to, to lay in some ground and pound, left his leg in. Uh, Hermanson went and tried to grip for the heel hook. Um, Gaslam kind of escaped that, then put himself back in, in danger by going basically into the same position and there was no way Hermanson weren't, weren't locking that heel hook in with uh, two bars at that cherry. Locked it in and, yeah, very quick tap and... 
Hermanson really making uh, waves in that middleweight division. He's always been like there and thereabouts in terms of title shots, but yeah, surely how many more questions does the guy have to answer before you push him for a title match? Definitely, I think especially in, in that weight class now, the middleweight division, it's, it's hard to talk about obviously titles and stuff. So we've just uh, confirmed the early hours yesterday, early today. Um, obviously, we're, we all knew it. Is he were defending his belt against Costa? Uh, but then obviously you've got next week uh, uh, Tillman versus Whitaker. Um, then obviously you've got. Um, Cannonier, obviously Jack faced him last time and Cannonier knocked him out in the second round so um, it's a lot harder to, for him to push for a, a title shot when when Kelvin lost the lost the base the, the fight for his for the title um, but yeah the, another one or two more wins picks up the gets a fight with the 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 loser of the Till and Whitaker fight, and mm-hmm. if he picks up a win there, then yeah, no doubt he's he's definitely no one can say that he doesn't deserve a title shot. Um, but the one thing that surprised me is is how he finished in the heel hook. Now, obviously, we know he's a beast on the ground, but he tried it once before, and now you'd think Kelvin, it being that high that high level, would uh, think, hang on a minute, he's just tried to grab my hip, my Not my leg that option again. Yeah. And he did. And the second time he basically let him grab it. Well, he weren't exactly letting him grab it. The second time he got sloppy and left it, and, and Jack grabbed it. He didn't do anything. He didn't try and push off his butt with his other foot. He didn't. To me, he didn't even try and drag his leg out the, the that to a, a full-on extent, like a, a vicious dragging your leg out rather than to. Uh, and so yeah, Jack was able to capitalise on that, grab his leg and go in for the for the heel hook. But yeah, it was just. A bit weird how someone at that high level were able to basically get submitted with a heel hook. And it, now people might think I'm a bit weird to say it, but it's it's a lot different from when you're high level and like I say with some in the the previous bouts on on tonight's card where it's like it's not just being the same submission thrown at you. Like we had one of them where it was like I think it was on the prelims where it was like armbar triangle. Um, then back to an armbar and then back to a triangle. So it's, they were, excuse me, like mixing it up. Whereas Jack, it just went from heel hook to heel hook, and he got it in the second attempt. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's a beast on the ground, but you just think with someone like Kelvin, he, he were able to, he would have been able to spot that. Um, but also, what as well, what I surprised is he was the one who, who like initiated the the clinch. Um, now you'd think with Kelvin, yeah, fair. And I, I understand is he's got good wrestling himself, um, but Matt, personally, I think he he's better on the feet than than Jack. So I don't understand why he didn't yeah. just stay his boxing range and and just keep doing what he was doing because before he went in for the clinch, now quoting Franks, we've we've only not long just watched it, so I could be wrong about it, but it looked like to me we were having more success on the feet than he were before he even initiated the clinch or tried to take it to the ground. Uh, so I don't understand whether it's, it, it was just like nerves from the last fight trying to overcome or it just a, a, a good game plan gone bad or a good game plan gone wrong, but we'll never know about from him and his team, but yeah... 
Jack were able to pick up the, the win and we'll see where he can go from there in that middleweight division. Yeah, and then going into the, the main event, the, the rematch against Figueredo and Benavides for that vacant flower tell after uh, March's that controversial fight where Figueredo uh, won but didn't win the title because he missed weight. Um, and this was so brutal, I felt... I've, we've always kind of backed um, Benavides at, at five rounds as, as someone who, in any other era of, of MMA, would have been a world champion. He's just he's been stuck in uh, in divisions where he's had people who are just elite level, uh, with the likes of Demetrius Johnson. Uh, but wow, he got just this. This was a, a, a figurehead that is a killer. He was not messing about uh, this time in the in the first fight. It got to the second round. Figueroa didn't even let it get to that. And to be fair, this fight could have been finished after less than a minute. Figueroa, every time he threw a shot, it it put um, it put Benavidez either like his uh, head snapped back or he went down. It's as simple as that. It's just the power this kid gets at at one twenty five. And and then when it got, got to the ground, it was like a, it was just like a almost Habib like with the way it was controlled and, and such a spider monkey. It got a total of four rear naked chokes on on uh, Benavides, and each one looked more vicious than the last one. How Benavides survived those first three is is unreal because they were locked in and locked in tight. He had the heart of a lion, but. Eventually, you you succumb to someone like Figueredo, and once he got knocked down for like the third time, and Figueredo locked in that rear naked choke, it took it took Benavidez going to sleep for him to win, uh, which is all power to Benavidez. But wow, we have got a killer again at the at the top of the flyweight division, and can you just imagine if we still had D, uh, Demetrius Johnson in that division, how good that fight would be? But great victory for Figueredo. And, that's a scary champion at the top of that flyweight division now. Definitely, and obviously now that he were able to not only come and, and get the title, we're able to make the way 125, and he he looked like an animal. He mm-hmm. he didn't look like obviously in March when he came uh, into business. Yeah, absolutely came yeah. business. He looked like he wanted to kill someone. Yeah, uh, but in March when he missed weight and people said, oh, he looked a bit, he, he looked like he looked sloppy and stuff like that. And then obviously he did that to Benavidez and people quickly were changing their mind. Like, he, he don't quite look as sloppy as before. <laughs> um, tonight he didn't look. And if we were to test him now, we I'd guarantee he's got about 0.5 percent body fat. Yeah. Uh, just muscles and muscles and muscles. He, he's just a fucking tank, and especially at that division, he's just so big for for that division. Um, so strong, so powerful, and he's only thirty-two, so he's only young, and we can. It's not like he's he's took a lot of damage, uh, and that's not. And it's not like he he's getting like. In in a way, it's going to sound weird, but it's not like he's getting any older. In a way, because if you look at it like Yo Romero and stuff like that, that were they're fighting a lot more in the into the like older years, if you will, into mm-hmm. like you've seen a lot of fighters thinking, you know what, it's not a long term sport, maybe I'll give this up after about five to seven years of doing it. Now you've seen fighters who have been in the game for the last sixteen, the last twenty years, and who are still going on, who are still basically being on top, and who are still beating some of the best. Um, so yeah, I think Figueiredo can be especially one of them characters and I think he could be a champion for 
uh, a very long time now. Yeah. Going to the actual finish. No, Benavidez is an absolute animal in that aspect. He's got a, he's got a, he's definitely he's got an art of a champion. At the end of the day, um, he just he, he took a beating. He took his he took a beating like a man. He he got subbed and he didn't tap. He got choked out. Now a lot of people are going to sound. A lot of people might say, oh, you should have just tapped in that aspect. It's a bit different. When you've worked all your life to get into the point where you fight for a UFC title, and I'm surprised if if Bisping didn't make a mark on it, but, um, remark on it, but, um, yeah, when you've been fighting all your life for that that moment, that chance just for that title, you're not just going to tap out at the last... You're going to fucking fight every single chance you get just to, just to try and and get back into the fight and he did it perfectly and a lot of people can take it out of that a lot of the new people who's never like done like jiu-jitsu or who's never been in them situations you can take out of that you can try and stay as calm as possible and fight the hands even though he was at a body triangle he was doing the perfect thing he was even though he ended up eventually getting choked out he was still doing the correct thing every single time Figueredo was putting an arm around his neck he was fighting the hands he wasn't mm-hmm. letting the hands go he was always Grabbing the wrist, always grabbing the hand. He was he was trying his best for Figueroa to not to not let him lock that choke up and to not let him get under the chin. Um, what Figueroa's skill is just a little bit too uh, a little bit too better than Benavidez's submission defense, and we're able to pick up the sub. And not only that, we're able to put him out cold mm-hmm. uh, and pick up the the vacant flyweight belt. It was just mental, uh, and it, it it's a massive statement for anyone in that flyweight who, who thinks they can step to the champ. Look what he's done to the who has been the second best fighter in that division for the past five years. He's absolutely demolished him. Well, not only that, it's the, the guy who everyone was saying about <clears throat> about oh, he's the only person who, who who could beat Triple C, and obviously Triple C's beat the likes of of. Um, uh, Dominic Cruz, to Dillashaw, show, then obviously the king of that weight, Demetrius Johnson. Um, um, Figueredo's made Benavidez look like an amateur twice now. Uh, so he's just a scary character, especially for that weight. And like I said, he's he's just he's just phenomenally built for that weight. He's just outstandingly big. Yeah, definitely. Um, so next week's card is from uh, Australia, and it's a huge, huge card. Um, UFC Fight Night 174 um, there's 8 prelims altogether. Um, the likes of Betch Carriera's on there we've got Francisco Trinaldo on there um, and then the main cards are just we've literally just had another fight added so the main card 7 fights are on its own uh, Cam, uh, Kamzak uh, Chimiev is going to break a record for the quickest turnaround in MMA with a, with a 10 day turnaround breaking uh, Chas Skelly's record of 13 days and if he wins he can also break Chas Skelly's record of back to back wins uh, but then we've also got Alex Oliveira on the card. Uh, Paul Craig making his comeback on the card against uh, Antigulov, Ante which is a, a big fight. We've got uh, Carlos Esparza against Marina Rodriguez. That's a, a big fight. Marina Rodriguez still unbeaten. And then the the three um, the the three main event fights: Fabrizio Verdun taking on Gustafsson in his uh, in his heavyweight debut. We've got the return of Shogun Hua against Little Nog. 
uh, which is a, a blast from the past. And then that main event, uh, the, the basically the title contender match uh, in the middleweight division against Robert Whittaker and, and uh, the gorilla Darren Till. So, yeah, come and uh, check us out for that. Uh, next week, uh, just before we go, just uh, want to, to say that uh, here at Five Rounds, we're, uh, we're absolutely amazed and uh, excited to, to be joining the chair shot as well as part of uh, their their foray into MMA uh, now uh, for, a, for a podcast from the north of England of two idiots who just like watching MMA we've, we're absolutely blown away with the support um, now on three huge networks and yeah um, just big things coming in 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 the the future for five rounds so make sure you you're part of uh, you're part of that team uh, thank you all for for listening uh, join us again next week and that is the end adios amigos thechairshot.com always use your head Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.